Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schallenberger. I'm your host, Jamie, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. Each episode is a mini training where you'll learn how to achieve extraordinary success. Steve is a number one national best-selling author. He successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for large and small organizations around the world, executive coach, father of six, and founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and I am so much looking forward to our guest today. He's unlike any other that I've had on this show. <laughs> our, our guest has an earthy background uh, that has had a big impact taking principles uh, from nature uh, and helping recognize those in a leadership application. Uh, so uh, welcome, Jeff McManus. Steve, thank you so much. I'm excited to be with you today. All right. Well, same here. Uh, well, before we get started, I'd like to tell our listeners a little about Jeff's background. Uh, Jeff McManus grows things. <laughs> and as the director of Landscapes, Landscape Services at the University of Mississippi, he grows plants and he grows people. He grows ideas. And Jeff is a problem solver understanding that doing more with less is a 21st century mandate. So faced with a multi-million dollar landscaping beautification project, uh, a demand for excellence, high productivity, with a pretty tight budget, Jeff knew that growing the people was critical to growing the plants. And understanding that all humans either have or strive for this kind of an eight element of greatness, uh, resiliency, opportunity, and wisdom, Jeff developed his GROW theory into an impactful management and professional development leadership program for his staff. And so uh, with that background, he's, been, he's had many uh, accolades, recognitions, and just done a world-class job. We're thrilled to have him. So uh, once again, Jeff, glad that you can be here today to shift, share this whole perspective that you have. Well, thank you, Stephen. It's it's a lot, a lot of fun. And getting to use nature and plants, uh, what I do naturally in leadership now has even grown me as a better leader. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that. You know, this is one of the toughest things in life, um, I think, Jeff, is for people, wherever they might be, to take their natural gifts and talents and those that can be developed, uh, things they'd really like to do and do them professionally. Look for applications that can lift and build and leave a better world, and, and you're able to do that. That's really fun. It's been, a, it's been a fun ride. The more discovery as we walk through that path and down the, in that journey to discover the new aspects of what you can take in leadership and how just apply it at every level in any organization. It's, it's just amazing. Well, good. Now, before we get into this discussion about 
leadership and, and the things that you've learned, your insights and how you've taken this perspective and apply it to leadership. And uh, let's talk about your background a little bit. What was your life like growing up and what experiences uh, did you have that you see that have really contributed to helping you become what you are today? Well, I had a, a great childhood, was raised just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, in, in a little place called Douglas, Douglasville, Georgia. And I was the youngest of three. And I, my mom and dad were both in the school system. My mom was a chemistry teacher, and my dad was in the uh, administrative part also taught ag early on, but he made sure that all of us had an opportunity, Steve, to work. And uh, he grew up on a farm and he knew what hard work meant. And he's always been that kind of person. So I attribute a lot of my values and hard work for excellence with him. He also taught me a valuable lesson in growth. Uh, every time we were working in the shop or in the barn or wherever we were working, he usually had his tape recorder going and Zig Ziglar was on or there was a, <laughs> somebody talking and pe preaching or teaching. But it really got into my DNA as far as growth that while you're doing something, be listening to something. So that had a, I had a great, great memories and a great raising there in, in Georgia. Well, now, if we didn't do anything else today, that message alone would be worth our time <laughs> That's that true. while you're doing something, be listening to things, be listening to something. <laughs> That's right. That's what the automobile's for. That's why I like to drive places so we can listen to books and, and all that good stuff. Well, okay. That's terrific. Uh, and just uh, one other aspect to mention here that might be helpful as you reflect back, uh, have you, what's been a big challenge uh, or setback you may have had in life, personally or professionally, how did you overcome it, uh, and how has it helped you to be more successful? I believe the biggest challenge in, in, that I had was coming right out of college, fresh with a, with a college degree in horticulture, and taking in um, a horticulture job in a, Orlando, Florida. And I was running a crew, didn't have a lot of experience in running uh, a crew, especially on a high-end property, very prestigious property with um, a lot of moving parts, a lot of people. And I made a lot of mistakes. Hmm. I, I th thought incorrect things about people's motives. I assumed things that weren't right. And, and it cost me at times. It cost me my reputation as far as uh, not being a strong leader, uh, making bad guesses instead of making drawing things on facts so one time i was i was walking through the resort and just outside and and our crew was hard working and they had just got through planting this huge flower flower bed and they asked me what i thought about it and it was gorgeous this beautiful colors large large bed and i said man it looks great you guys did a super job however you, these plants over here in the back are, are crooked and, and these things. And I was starting to be a little hypercritical. <laughs> and one of my seasoned employees who'd been there for years and years, and he just the backbone of the company, had a great relationship with our customers. And here I was, I'd only been there maybe six months. He, he looked at me, his shoulders slumped down. He dropped the tools in his hands and he looked at me and he said, I quit. Oh, and he turned around and walked away. <laughs> wow. Well, 
you know, that'll get your attention, especially when, uh, you know, you're young like that. And I didn't say anything, but inside I was, I was terrified. I was telling, no, please don't leave. Don't leave. And anyway, the next day or, or, or a couple of days after he, we got together and talked and we got to have some communication. And I learned how important communication was is to listen, to value people no matter what they're doing, value them. Know that they have pride. They want to do well. They want to do a good job. Don't be always be suspicious. And he told me, Jeff, your words are important to us. What you say matters. And he says, you're very hypercritical to us. You're just always nitpicking everything. And, and in my mind, Steve, I thought I was being a good manager. Hmm. I thought, hey, I don't want these guys to get the big head, right? I want them to <laughs> know they got things to work on. But I was going about it the wrong way. So that taught me a valuable lesson. I am so glad that you're willing to share this uh, because uh, leadership truly is, especially great leadership, is something that is developed. And people aren't born this way. I mean, they're not just naturally pop out with all these great leadership skills. And, and based on your background, you may have a little bit more advantage than others, but all of us have to do certain things that creates excellence. And they're, they're similar things. And, and so your comments give hope to people. They give encouragement for leaders that may feel like, well, I may not have what it takes today. Will I ever have it? And the answer is yes. That's right. Uh, this is the spirit of becoming your best. Is it something that we keep working, just like baseball or soccer or football? Uh, you don't just show up the first day you've ever played and, and you're ready to be an all-star. It takes practice and practice and practice. So your comments here give a lot of encouragement to people. I was uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Rwanda in East Africa, and I had a woman come up, uh, well, say, uh, we'll call her Teresa. And she said, you know, I, I've just been asked to be the leader of this organization, but nobody supports me. <laughs> and wow. she said, they're kind of critical of me. And I just want to today give Teresa hope. And just like Jeff here, uh, it's a learning process. And as long as you're humble and willing to talk with people and adapt and change, uh, it'll come. That's right. Good, good word. Okay, well, let's get right into this then, because uh, I can't wait to hear uh, your unique perspective. And let's take what you've learned professionally in creating a world-class landscape and how this experience could be applied in creating excellence in other areas. And let's have some fun in the process. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's use your terminology. So how do you turn weeders like W-E-E-D-E-R-S, weeders, and the leaders? <laughs> well, Steve, it's, it's a mindset. It's, it's creating everybody has ownership in the property. Everybody has a role. But most important, everybody's a leader. Everybody leads at least one person, and that's themselves. I had a very eye-opening experience when I went and I asked my crew, how many of you think you're a leader? Or how many are you are a leader? And only maybe a, a third of the team raised their hand. Hmm. And I was shocked. I was thinking, man, they don't, they don't know that they're leaders. And you know whose fault that was? 
<laughs> that was mine because I hadn't told them. I hadn't reinforced the message. I hadn't communicated it over and over again. So I began to continually show them how important their role was, but to empower them that they were leaders. And I learned a lot of this from, from my mentor and, and my boss who was here, Dr. Robert Kayat. Dr. Kayat every morning walked the campus and he picked up trash as the chancellor, the head of the university, the doctor, everything. I mean, he didn't even need to pick up trash. That wasn't his job. But he showed me just by example, by doing that, how important it was, but how he was willing to get his hands dirty, how he was willing to empower people by saying, your job's important, so important, I'm going to even help you do it. And so that mindset of valuing people, no matter what they do, and then making sure they know that has really helped us start the process of stepping them up into leaders. Okay, well, that is a that is a tremendous message here today. And I, I like the way that you that discuss this and talk about it, that you help people recognize this, their importance, that they can make a difference. Uh, yes. And it, it takes leadership to do that. I mean, that's what they are. And so they, they're able to see their role here. And and uh, so how another one of your terminologies that I love is uh, going from paycheck to purpose. Maybe this is part of this of how you work with people. So how do you help workers go from paycheck to purpose and consistently uh, get to a place where they can produce excellent results? What have you found works best? Well, I, I learned this from watching, watching great leaders is you got to have a vision you got to have a place for people to go and what they think about. So we started talking about that uh, there's a statistic out there in our world that says 62% of prospective college students who have not decided that they're going to come to your university will decide in the first few minutes of a college visit based on the way the campus looks. Oh, my goodness. So we took that message to our team. And then we, we developed it, grew it, cultivated it, and watered that message because here's how it goes, Steve. That person who comes to this campus may go on and get that degree and become the doctor who goes on and cures HIV, cures cancer. So in a small way, we helped recruit that person. So in a small way, we're a part of that greatness that they have gone on to do. And so we've used a lot of different stories. I mean, uh, we had uh, Dr. Hannah Gay who came within a whisper of curing HIV a few years ago, was in the Time Magazine, Most 100 Influential People. And she came to our university. She was, she was a graduate of our school. So we let our folks know you helped in that and inspire them for that bigger purpose of what they're doing. That's one of the ways we do that, Steve, is, is continue. We, we have a little thing called football on this campus, you know, you <laughs> in the SEC. And so we tie that message back to the football because a lot of our guys are love football. So we bring our coaches in and let them talk to our staff about inspiring them that, hey, guys, you're a part of the recruiting process. When we bring people here on this campus, 
you make a difference because they feel connected to the campus by the way it looks. They feel safe. They feel like this place looks superior and top notch, just like we run our program type things. And so all of our coaches, we let them come and talk to our staff so that their staff feel like they're a part of the team as well. And we do that with even our professors, our academias. They talk about recruiting top talent here and how that matters to have a beautiful campus. So we paint this bigger part of what they're doing. They're not just cutting grass. They're not just pulling weeds. They're curing cancer. They're helping recruit, and they're winning national championships at other levels. Well, this is fantastic because this is, from my research of of 40 years of things that highly successful leaders do, uh, aside from having character, which is a, a foundational to all of the rest, job number one, and you're doing this, this is why I'm so glad you talked about it, but to see this application in landscaping uh, is really quite inspiring, which is that highly successful leaders lead with a vision. That's right. In other words, the first thing we do, and what you've just done is created this vision that brings meaning and purpose uh, into their jobs, and it changes everything. <laughs> it's great. Way to go. Well, you know, even take when you take that deeper as you let your team be a part of that vision. And so our vision now is two words. We're cultivating greatness. And, and we, then we just talk about what that means. And so we kept it short so I could remember it. So we're cultivating greatness every day. Uh, and uh, you're right. It's when, when there's not a vision, the people perish, right? Yeah, absolutely. And for our listeners, and I'm including Steve Schallenberger in this today, that uh, this is one of the wonderful opportunities of leadership is within our families, our relationships, uh, within our teams and organizations, or even civic assignments. One of the very first questions we should be answering is, do we have an inspiring vision that, that points to the direction? And, and, and that it gives meaning with our children or our grandchildren. And this is a great opportunity to have very significant influence that moves way beyond any checklist. Okay, good. Well, let's, good. let's hit some more <laughs> of these wonderful uh, Jeff uh, terminologies. We've, we've talked about weeders and the leaders. Great going and paycheck the purpose. Well, here's another one. So how do you turn the menial into meaningful? Uh, I'm giving Jeff credit for this one. I love these. In other words, <laughs> how do you cult this, cultivate this pride of ownership uh, in what you do? What have you found really works? Well, there's a lot of little things that we do, but I'll give you one specific one is, is we let our people have a voice at the table. Give people an opportunity to participate in what their what their standards are, what their beliefs are, their core values, and we give people a voice. Uh, one of the things that we did is we created a, a landscape creed where every Monday morning we say this creed to remind us of our core values and the things that we believe. Now, they're not all of them. We can't put all of our core values in there, but they have a lot in there. And this came from an exercise where our staff participated and said, this is what we want to be known for. This is who we are. And they talk about we lead by example. 
we adapt and overcome. We never stop training and growing. We dedicate ourselves to professional integrity. And it just, it goes on, but it's, it's the mindset that quickly, when new people come here, they see what the culture is. So we, f- we spend a lot of time now uh, intentionally focusing on cultivating the culture. I didn't know that's what I was doing, Steve, <laughs> until I saw the results. I just I had to change what I was doing. But then when I look back on it, it's like we changed the culture. Because when I first came here, Steve, we had a really toxic culture. And then I didn't, I, I helped change some of that. But then I realized that I needed to keep changing some other things. So we, we've started doing some other things proactively. And maybe we'll get into that here in a little bit. But that's one of the big things was creating that meaningful work that we're here and our core values for a bigger purpose. One of the things that uh, I know from our experience uh, and I, I know that Jeff is doing this and, and bringing out the greatest potential of those that he works with, but frequently we'll ask what uh, people, leaders, uh, audiences, uh, what level, what percent of p- potential would you estimate your employees, fellow workers uh, are currently using? Hmm. Uh, it's interesting. It's all over the map, but typically people, uh, and research supports this, uh, suggests it's about 55 to 65%. So the real question is, is how do you get, how do you unleash that other 35% and helping people contribute a hundred percent of their potential? And as you were talking, uh, these are the kind of things that do it. And I can just imagine that your team, they're into it. Would that be a good description? That's right. And, and when I came, Everybody told me we didn't have enough people. We didn't have, we don't have enough people to do a thousand acres of maintenance here. Steve, we have fewer people today working in the field than we did 17 years ago because of this. The, the, you are absolutely right. The production has gone up. The efficiency has skyrocketed and the passion for what they do to be the best of the best, to be the, the top is just there and they're, they're excited to be here. There's more than just a paycheck. There is that passion to be known for excellence in what they do. See, see, we've won five national awards, five national recognitions. We never had done that before. But we don't call them rec- recognitions. We call them national championships. <laughs> and so there's, there's a lot of pride in that. We keep that in front of them. Steve, something silly and it's kind of fun is we you, you go into a stadium or go into a coliseum, you see banners hanging down that have national championships and, and win. We've done the same thing in our truck sheds where we bring in all of our trucks. We've hung our national championship banners in there to remind our team that they are national champions. They're some of the best of the best at what they do. Yeah, bravo. Bravo to you <laughs> and your team, and that's great. Congratulations. And, and this is exactly the impact that uh, leadership can have. It's a, it's a unique brand of leadership when you're doing these kind of things and it totally sets you apart from everybody else. Uh, and it also flows through in the other areas of our life. So not only does it contribute to greater productivity and work, but also greater happiness and people that are around this, it influences them in their personal lives. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that you have talked about is getting beyond barriers to beliefs. Uh, so what does that mean and what impact can that have on getting outstanding results? Well, I'll share, I'll just share a story with you. One of the barriers I had in my, my own personal belief was is that we had some drama years ago that was just continually hung around us, just like a really bad smelling aroma. <laughs> and uh, I kept saying, Steve, I kept pointing, you know, kind of out in space and going, I wish those people would stop the drama. I wish they would stop. Uh. And I realized later, like oh, Zig Ziglar used to say, I have three fingers pointing back at me that I was the problem. Mm -hmm. And I had to step up and change. So we did a few things different. I had to start with accountability, a little bit more accountability. But I also wanted to change the atmosphere, how these folks think, how they talk. Could I interject a, a different level of conversation that got them into uh, – looking beyond even their personal lives to what they might, some of their dreams, some of their visions and what they want to do with their life. So we started this pilot program called Leader to Leader, and we brought in six guys, just brought them in out of the field, and we just had conversation. We talked about some of the things that you and I have already discussed about leading by example and and just just things that were maybe we had in common but we never talked about. Then we introduced them to guys like Stephen Covey and Zig and John Maxwell and Les Brown. And we just slowly let them have a little diet of this once a month. And it was working really good. So we started an, another group, another an, uh, a second group, and then a third and a fourth until we had everybody in the team attending these small breakout sessions once a month, one hour. And I'm telling you, Steve, I didn't know I was changing the culture, but it changed the culture. And and that was able to give us the outstanding results because people started wanting to do what they were doing. And they were hearing themselves say things in front of their teammates that they'd never said before, that they believed in. And their trust went up. The trust factor went way up. And when trust goes up, you know, speed goes up. When trust goes down, speed slows down. And the, the unity that these guys were building, and I didn't even know I was doing this. I mean, I, I knew good things were happening, but it was interesting. To, as you grow good grass, you don't have to worry about as many weeds popping up. You know, good, healthy grass chokes out weeds. And I started seeing that with our team. After a, a little while, some of, some of our guys just they, they found other jobs. They were like, man, I, I got a great job working somewhere else. And, and it ended up being some of those guys that were leading some of that drama. And, and we were glad for them, and, and it worked out good for us. And it was like their, the culture changed in so much that they had lost their influence. It's just a natural process that people didn't want to talk about that silly drama anymore. And so that conversation got raised. And we that's something that I have – held to, even though it initially slows us down to pull people in, it speeds us up so much more because of what that value of developing uh, those beliefs that trust does for our team. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, those are very powerful concepts. And, and um, 
you know, as you think about this whole spirit of becoming your best, which is what you're working with your team to do, every single one of them and the results. And, and we're never done, by the way, with that quest uh, because right. it stays with us throughout life. Uh, so in this 40 years of research, uh, although pr people weren't necessarily perfect, I interviewed over 150 CEOs, studied the lives of hundreds of historical figures that have really had a big impact on all of our lives for in a significant way. What I did identify is that there were 12 things that were always there that created, that set them apart from everybody else. And I'm telling you, Jeff, you're doing them. Oh, good. <laughs> was, you had me nervous. You oh, are doing them. And look, <laughs> look at the impact. I mean, just, I can't wait to get out there someday and, and uh, look forward to meeting you and seeing what you're doing. Great going. Steve, funny thing, my brother told me, he goes, you're not doing anything unique. You're just applying what you've learned. And that's true. I'm, I mean, I'm listening to guys like you. I'm, I'm learning and then really just trying to apply it. That's, that's, that's the key. And you know what? I was scared to death trying to do some of this stuff. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was scary bringing these guys in and showing them a, a video. I mean, because you just don't know what the reaction is going to be. And, uh, now that I look back, I kind of laugh on that, but it takes courage it to does. do some of these things. It does. Way to go. And that's leadership, by the way. It's well. courageous leadership. Well, <laughs> one of the things that blows me away is how fast these, these podcasts go. These, we're out of time. Oh, man. <laughs> and so thank you for a great job today. And any final tips for our listeners before we wrap up? Well, the, the final tip would be just continue to grow, Yeah. cultivate your greatness and everything you do, you just bloom where you're planted. I don't care where you are right now, be the best at what you're doing. It'll be amazing. The opportunities that'll come your way. Well, bravo to you, Jeff McManus. And, uh, so how can our listeners learn more about what you're doing? This has been a, a really terrific interview. Great ideas that you shared. Well, I'd, I'd love to, to see them on my website. I'm, I'm at jeffmcmanusspeaking.com, and I have a great handout for your listeners. Uh, my five leadership tips that I use with my team, my frontline team, every day. And if they want to go to jeffmcmanusspeaking.com slash BYB, I'll let them download that for free. Oh, great. Well, that's a great offer, and I'll look forward to doing that as well. Perfect. Well, thank you, Jeff McManus, for being part of this show today. You've done a great job. Uh, totally, well, totally inspiring. Steve, thanks. And let me let me just say one quick thing. Uh, I've got a book coming out September 5th, uh, Growing Weeders into Leaders, and would love to have your viewers, uh, listeners, uh, take a look at that. Take a peek at that and see what their thoughts are on that. And I'm looking forward to diving into your book when I get home. All right. Well, that sounds good. Can't wait for that to come out. That'll be fun. Now I'm putting that on my list. Thank you, Steve. Okay. And to all of our listeners, wherever you are, uh, this is a reminder for each of us that you are making a difference every single day in your life, with the people you associate with, and in our world. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best, wishing you a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. Don't forget you can find more great episodes of the podcast at becomingyourbest.com 
forward slash podcast, along with great show notes, a full transcript of the episode, and all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Please share your comments and questions with us. We want to hear from you. The best way you can show your appreciation for our podcast is to leave an honest rating and review on iTunes. Now it's time for you to take action and truly start becoming your best. Remember, good, better, best, never let it rest until the good is better and the better is best.